Um, welcome. Welcome to you all, in particular those of you who are maybe here for the first time or um, you know, are visitors here or whatever. It's lovely to have you here. Um, it seems to be a service of notices, so I'm just going to give sort of three little parish pump notices as well. Firstly, um, apparently I'm going to teach. I might preach as well, and I might do a bit of teaching, preaching, and they're all one and the same thing. I think I'm likely to do a bit of sharing and also quite a lot of talking, which I'm fairly renowned for. And I hope they're sort of pretty much the same thing as well. So uh, that's maybe for those who don't know me so well or who are visitors. And if you are, you might think I normally wear glasses. But these are extremely unusual. In fact, many of you will never have seen me in glasses. But the wonderful thing is I found that they might help the microphone to actually stay on. Because I've had it fall off the previous two times I've used it. And I've been taped up and so on. So that's that. And the third thing is... We now have three other people up in the balcony, which is great, but um, I really am feeling the pressure because John Southcombe and Dawn, his lovely wife, they came down from up in the balcony just for me. <laughs> so I'm feeling they might never do it again, um, and there's a bit of pressure on here. Um, again, for those of you who maybe are, are with us, you know, and not normally with us, just to give you a little bit of context, um, we're currently just over halfway through a series on the names of God. This, I counted myself, is number nine of 14. And this talk is on Jesus as Lord. Um, I very sadly bothered to look up that there are somewhere approaching 8,000 references in the Bible to the Lord. Uh, the exact number depends on which particular translation you prefer. I, I can see John Stark nodding over there, so I'm, I'm on solid ground at the moment. Please shake your head if I get, if it, get it wrong, and I'll know to stop. Um, but it leaves us in no doubt that this is one of the most familiar names of God. What can there be, therefore, for me to add to something that seems so recognised and commonplace? Well, I've had two related questions buzzing around my head for the three months or so since I learnt that I was going to be preaching on this, uh, speaking on this, sharing on this, teaching on this subject. Um, the first is to explore the question, why is Jesus Lord? And the second is to ask myself, in all honesty, if I, like you, have been invited by Jesus to live like him and become more and more him like every day, how am I doing in living up to his perfect example of lordship? So, first, to why is Jesus Lord? What a strange question, you might think. Then again, I'm a strange preacher, teacher, sharer or talker. Um, let's just listen once again to the passage read to us so beautifully and passionately by Christine a moment ago. And this includes just one of those 8,000 references to the Lord, but it answers directly that question as to why is Jesus Lord. Taking it from verse 5 onwards, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, 
He didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, for those reasons, therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honour and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. It's phrased differently in my absolute favourite Christian song of all time, which Ros Durgis actually played when I was baptised here six years ago, um, which I'm delighted to say Arlene will be leading us in in a short while. Um, as she said to me when I asked her earlier this week if she might humour me and include it, she popped a little note back to me saying, I've already chosen the songs, I thought. And funnily enough, I'd already chosen that one. The Holy Spirit is on the case, she said. Um, it's called You Laid Aside Your Majesty by Noel Richards. And if you just want to listen to the words and humour me, because I'm not just going to preach, teach, share and talk, but I'm going to sing just briefly. You laid aside your majesty, gave up everything for me, suffered at the hands of those you had created. You took all my sin and shame when you died and rose again. Now today you reign in heaven and earth exalted. I really want to worship you, my Lord. You have won my heart and I am yours forever and ever. I will love you. You are the only one who died for me, gave your life to set me free. So I lift my voice to you in adoration. Let's just pause for a second. It is so easy to read Bible verses like those from Philippians or to sing songs with words like you laid aside your majesty and not grasp the enormity of it. I could hear it in Christine's voice as she read. She grasped the enormity of it. Perhaps that's something that we as Christians in particular are guilty of, taking something for granted because we repeat it so often. Oh, don't worry, we're in good company, you and me. Even Jesus' disciples, 
who lived, breathed, slept, prayed, ate under the same roof as him, day in, day out, for three years, didn't grasp it at all and fell into the same trap. This is from Luke 22. Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people, but among you it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. And similarly from Matthew 20, then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favour. What is your request? he asked. She replied, In your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honour next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. And a bit further on it continues, When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over the people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. In a short while, we'll be paying our respects in a two-minute silence on Remembrance Day in tribute to those who paid the ultimate price of death to serve us and to protect us and our way of life. Their bravery and service is a lesson to us all. But Jesus' death is on a whole other scale. Bear with me a second. Just imagine you are Jesus. And you have created all of the people. Everyone in this church, everyone out in the town, everyone in this nation, everyone across the globe. A little bit like a mother and father create a child, but bigger, just so much bigger. And you have done nothing but love them and nurture them and give them everything. And then they turn on you, baying for your blood and choosing to release a murderer called Barabbas rather than spare you, their creator. And still, you love them. Still, you do not condemn them. Still, you speak up for them as they put you to death. This is simply breathtaking love beyond measure. And that's why Jesus is Lord. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honour and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare 
that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's why Jesus is Lord. Strange question that was. So to my second question, and just to remind you, if I, like you, have been invited by Jesus to live like him and become more and more like him every day, how am I doing in living up to his perfect example of lordship? I can see you smiling, Andy. I smiled when I asked myself the question. In taking the position of a servant or slave. In humbling myself in obedience to God. In laying down my life for others. In forgiving my enemy. Seventy times seven when they wrong me. It's a bit of a facetious question, and I think you know the answer for me. I don't even do that for my wife, who I profess to love more than anyone on the planet. What chance my enemy, who has just condemned me to death? But that's what I'm called to do. That's what we are called to do. All this servanthood, and humbling myself, and forgiving my enemy, again, I'm quite good at maths today, 490 times, and dying on a cross seems just all a little bit challenging. Is there perhaps something a little bit easier I can apply myself to? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but you might remember um, the passage from Matthew 22 where the Pharisees were about their usual business of trying to trap Jesus with difficult questions. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses, they asked him. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, though Jesus identified two commandments, there are actually three commands to love wrapped up in his reply. And I was warned there, Warned not to go there by a dear friend of mine, but I'm going to. Um, there's loving God, first of all, with all your heart, soul, and mind. There's loving ourselves. And then there's loving others, my neighbour, my best friend, my partner, or indeed my enemy, at least as much as I love myself. So I ask you, how am I doing at loving the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind? In my prayer life? In my home? In this church? In my worship? Secondly, how am I doing at loving myself? In what I eat? In how I exercise and look after myself? In whether I get enough rest? or in my alcohol, or gambling, or drug, or sex abuse? And how am I doing at loving others and laying down my life for them? In my marriage, in my family, in my workplace, or in our community? If you, like me, have scored a solid one out of ten on these challenges, let me send you off with some hope in your heart. Fortunately, Jesus is Lord.
And he has paid the price once and for all through dying on a cross and taking the sin of the world upon his shoulders. Then he ascended into heaven. And there he advocates for you and me, pleading our case before the Father when we score one out of ten. Thank God that Jesus is Lord. Thank God that he knows me. Thank God that he knows you. And thank God that he loves us. Amen.